Hey everyone, Samson Kovach from The Theology Pit coming back at you here, and we are going to be looking at our next installment on atheism. We're going to continue with this letter and address a couple more things, and maybe we'll even uh, kind of move it into some of the arguments for God's existence and how that's generally dealt with. Stay tuned. Hi, this is John Hall. And this is Kathy Emmons. And we're from 101.5 Ward FM. And you've just fallen into the Theology Theology Pit. Pit. All right, everybody, welcome back to The Theology Pit. This is Theology out of Pittsburgh, and not to be confused with The Bottomless Pit, because you know what we say here, when you fall into a bottomless pit, you die of dehydration. I'm, of course, your friendly neighborhood theologian, Samson Kovach, and uh, we are coming back to you for this third installment, and I don't know how many installments there are going to be, so I'm not even going to say that anymore, but uh, coming back talking about um, atheism, and we've discussed a lot of... um, different kinds of atheism and what we consider atheism to be. Uh, But we're going to continue on with this um, letter, you know, this open letter to a Christian nation or whatever, this, you know, open letter to Christianity. Um, And and I I don't know why people write these things. I I guess because they think that everybody thinks like them. So we're going to look at some of the illogical parts that are in here. Now, again, she was writing and saying things like, um, you know, if the Bible has imperfect wording, how can it be, you know, the word of God, like that sort of thing, as though the translations of it have to be 100% perfect. But she's looking more, I think, at concepts. And she kind of goes back and forth there because it's almost like she's saying, if the concepts that I'm putting forth fail, then let's do word for word. Like, you know, for example, the difference between, um, you know, what was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls and the um, earliest writings that we have of the Old Testament, which is the earliest uh, physical copies of the Old Testament that we generally tend to have, are from the nineteenth, uh, the ninth, yeah, nineteenth century. Sorry, the ninth century A.D. around nine hundred A.D. Um, but uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls were from you know early pre you know Christ or, or like late. Would you say late BC or early BC? I'm not sure exactly how to how to word that, but anyways, um, you know, it, it's a good deal that the the Essene community was around between, like, uh, I guess you could say, like 160 BC into you know maybe like the uh, 10 AD or now I guess it'd be longer than that. Um, into like, you know, 70, 80, somewhere around there. Anyways, they lived in the Qumran sect and uh, wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls. But among those scrolls, they also had lots of, um, you know, uh, copies of uh, Old Testament books, one of them being Isaiah. But the funny thing is, is that even in that time period, if you compare the ones we have from the 9th century with the uh, ones that we have from the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, you look at the book of Isaiah, it's like 99% accurate. I mean, I think there's maybe like a a misspelling of like a proper name or something like that. Everything was very standard. Everything was very regulated. People believe this stuff to be the word of God. And if you think that something, if you believe in God and you think that you have something that is from God, you're going to take much better care of it than you know, if if it's just some like regular writing or something like that, like you know, that, that that really doesn't have that big of an impact. So that's what you know, believers did. That's what the people of God did. But she would say, I mean, if you if you 
were to demonstrate to her that, hey, the arguments that you made are really, really bad. You're taking scripture out of context. Here's how you took them out of context. Then the next thing she would go to is, oh, well, then every single word has to be perfect. And if it's not perfect, then, you know, if somebody was writing and they smudged something or whatever they were writing on had a blemish, well, then no longer the word of God because God didn't preserve. I mean, it's like... it's totally irrational. But, I mean, she goes on to say, you know, if you really want to live your life according to the Bible, uh, then you must also do what it tells you to do in the Old Testament too, right? Uh, no, no, uh, actually you don't. There's a difference between prescriptive and descriptive. But, um, you know, I guess, I, I, I don't want to be snide here and saying, well, literature seems to escape you, but the tone of this letter makes me want to say, uh, it makes me want to be really snide like that and say, you know, you don't even read the Bible, number one, the whole way through, and number two, give it the same amount of decency that you would the newspaper and understanding that there are different genres and, and things like that. Understanding that a historical narrative is just that. It's a historical narrative. It's telling you what happened. It's a history that you're reading. You know, I, I'm sure that if you read like a historical narrative from uh, Egypt or something like that, you wouldn't sit there and say, oh, we have to behave this way, even if you believe it to be true. It's like, no, why don't you finish the book and find out if you're supposed to or not? But she says, here's a list of a few immoral acts mentioned in the Old Testament. And that's interesting um, for an atheist to say something is immoral. Uh, where do you get your morality from? We'll deal with that in in a little bit here on future episodes. The fact that atheism is completely amoral. There is no morality. I mean, you, you have either, like, you know, uh, relative truth, a relative morality, a subjective morality, um, a societal type, you know, of morality there that, that determines what, what morality is. But there is no objective, okay? It's either subjective or relative. Because an objective reality means that there is, an, uh, is, that there is something that is extra no, something that is outside of us that is determining what moral is. So there can be no objective morality, even if you do object to it. Um, you, you can't say, you know, uh, well, you know, beating people to death with babies is a bad thing. Well, maybe in another culture, that's a good thing. You know, I mean, these are the type of people that can't say that what Hitler did was wrong because technically everything that Hitler did was legal in that country. And if it's legal, well, then, you know, the the state and the law determines morality. Unless you say, you know, and that's subjective but or um, relative, but unless you say it's subjective, which means me personally. Well, I personally would never exterminate, you know, 10 million people or kill 10 million people. But who am I to say that that's wrong for somebody else to do? You know, I mean, so, and then once you start making uh, judgments and saying, no, that is wrong, it's like, well, what are you basing that on? Well, my own feeling. Well, their feeling says it's not wrong. So feelings are not, you know, the, the, the standard there. But here, here's some of the immoral acts. Incest, okay, why is that immoral to in, in an atheist worldview? There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's the propagation of genes, even if it's it's giving mutations. Hey, I mean, most atheists, I would say all atheists, it's weird. They all have like common things. Number one is um, evolution. And evolution, most generally, in an atheistic, naturalist, philosophical worldview, is just uh, mutations over time. Okay? Well, some mutations are good, some mutations are bad. How do we know? 
that the type of incest, you know, is a bad mutation. Okay? You don't know just because things don't function properly. Wait a minute. If it doesn't function properly, does that does that indicate there's some type of order or a proper way that it was function that it's supposed to function? That's a design talk. You can't use design talk. Now, number 1, um incest is not smiled on in the Old Testament. It's not something to be exalted. It's not the end goal of mankind in the Old Testament is to commit incest, okay? Uh, Raping of slave women. Uh, My goodness, the, the mental calisthenics that they take for that. To, to happen and they're thinking number one they're thinking slave as um you know like what we had in the states which was a completely different type of slavery and i mean to be honest this person writing this this woman writing this being an atheist and being the way that, that she is from what i'm gathering is probably extremely liberal because liberalism and atheism go hand in hand they love each other for some reason i mean they're the the um the, the places that i uh follow on um like facebook like the different um Oh, what do you call it? Pages and stuff. Um, they, uh, I mean, all the atheist pages are extremely liberal, and a lot of the liberal pages spout atheism all the time and are very anti-Christian. So uh, she probably thinks that everything is rape. I mean, you know, a glass of water sitting there looking at you is probably rape somehow to to people like this. I mean, this is these are the type of people that have to be in a. It's almost like they have to be in a constant victim status. So raping of slave women. And I don't, yeah, you know, I don't really know how to take that. Okay, uh, polygamy, all right, a war, slaughtering of innocents, adultery, like all this stuff. I mean, she's saying that these are all immoral acts that we have to engage in if we are going to live by the Bible. Um, number one, you look at polygamy in the Old Testament. Okay, it is not something that is smiled on. Okay, you have problems with it. All right. David, one of the biggest like serial polygamists, you know, out there in in the Old Testament. His children, I mean, if she claims to have read the Old Testament, how could you read this and see how he has all these wives and just endless problems? Endless problems with them. Endless problems with his children. His children rape each other. His children try to kill him. This is not a model that is being set up to prescribe to you how to live. It is describing what happens ultimately because of sin. Because something went wrong. This is not the ideal. To then say that this is the ideal flips it on his head. As far as war goes, like what are you talking about? Like where in the, well you didn't read the New Testament, but where in the New Testament is it talking about how we should be going to war? Now, Granted that, you know, people fight wars over religious reasons. I'm not saying that it doesn't, okay? As far as Christianity goes, though, really few and far between. I mean, big time. The 20th century was the bloodiest, bloodiest, I can't talk, bloodiest century in the history of recorded history and mankind. Okay, the bloodiest, the worst. More people died in war in the 20th century. Please, please name three religious wars in the 20th century that contributed to the astronomical number of people that died. I'll give you some time. Go ahead, Google it. 
I can name them off the top of my heads that aren't religious. World War One, World War Two, Korean War, Vietnam, um, yeah, the the Middle East stuff, shock and awe, all you know. All that. I mean, come on, there we have all sorts of wars that happened that were bloodier than any other thing, and you know that's not even talking about like. You know, the communist uprising in like, you know, the uh, uh, 19th century into the 20th century with Joseph Stalin, Joseph Stalin. I mean, atheism as a government embodiment of, you know, more long lines of, of you know, nihilism, that, that there is nothing, nothingism, has killed more people than all of the religious wars put together. All right, this is a bankrupt system morally, and that's why you get so many deaths. That's why you get so many wars. So to then try and saddle that onto Christians, if you want to believe the Old Testament, you have to go to wars and fight war. Where are you getting that from? All right, uh, slaughtering of innocents. Okay, number one, what's an innocent? You, you need an objective value to say that. You can't even make these claims. All of these claims and all of this, um, you know, uh, virtue signaling that you're doing, you know, with all this stuff, it deals in absolutes, in objective truths that you don't have. So you can't be outraged by this. You should say this is how people are. Adultery. Why is that such a bad thing? In the atheist mindset, why is that such a bad thing? I mean, isn't it just you know, live the best life that you can, be as happy as you can, do as great as you can? You know, hey, if me being an adulterer makes me happy, why can't I do that? What's so wrong with that? In an atheist worldview, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And that's very problematic. Okay? In a Christian worldview, yeah, there actually is something wrong with that. You know? Then she goes on to say that it appears as though the God, lowercase g of course, of the Old Testament was pretty revengeful and a complete megalomaniac. Sure you want that for a leader? Excuse me, look at all of the atheist regimes. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, vengeful and megalomania? It's, it's just insane. And again, and again, you have to have some type of objective worldview. Okay, it, you know, it, atheists like to say that, oh, well, you know what? If you need to have some book to tell you not to kill people, then you really have a problem. And it's like, okay, but what if, what if the majority of people in this world actually need a book or a religion to tell them not to do that? You want to take that away from them? You want to, I mean, how insane is that? That's sociopathic. That really is. I mean, to say that here is something, oh, I forget who called it, like the opiate of the masses. Okay, here's something that keeps people calm. And you're going to work as hard as you can publishing stuff to say why people shouldn't follow it? What are you thinking? I mean, that's, uh, that's very, very hard to, to, to wrap your head around. And she says, ah, but it's really only the New Testament you read and learn from, right? Well, how would you know? If you've never read it, you know, how would you know? She says, if I remember, Jesus took the general stories of the Old Testament and used them as teaching tools for his followers. Since I never read the New Testament, this is where it gets cloudy for me, and I can't speak of it, to be fair. 
I can't speak of it to be fair because I never read it. Let me reread that back to you. If I remember, Jesus took the general stories of the Old Testament and used them as teaching tools. You never read it. You say you never read it. How do you know that he did that? How do you know? How do you know that he didn't take this, the, the prophecies of the Old Testament and say, see, this is me. I'm here to fulfill the prophecies. How do you know that the prophecies that were written, that he claimed to be written about him, that that's what he was talking about? How do you not know that? You know, I mean, okay, and then she says, and she goes on to say, okay, look, listen here. I've made all of these assumptions and accusations, and I personally find comfort in it. So, I'm sorry, I just made that up. Now, this is what she says. And nor do I want a bunch of Bible scripture thrown at me. Remember, if you scratched out at least one line of text or two, that renders the Bible, quote unquote, imperfect. If you believe the entire thing to be true, word by word by word, then you better start living the biblical life and not get upset when you start getting, when you start getting beaten, women, or your husband comes home with numerous wives because the Bible said, I could, and it is the word of God, right? I mean, where, in the Old Testament, where is she getting that? You know, I mean, you have all kinds of examples of people living outside of the design and the, 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 the point that God is making in the Old Testament, and nothing goes right for them. Nothing. Okay? Abram. You know, before he became Abraham, was a righteous man. And, you know, he, he was told he was going to have, you know, the child of, of promise, Isaac. Okay? But, you know, he was waiting on God, and it was taking a long time. So, him and his wife decided, hey, take my handmaiden, Hagar, and have a child with her. And then that'll fulfill what God does. So, then he goes and takes another woman, sleeps with her, gets pregnant, and you get Ishmael. Okay, who is described in scripture as a wild ass of a man. All right, he is just completely unruly and just very rebellious. And God is like, no, that's not what I did. You stepped outside not only of the marriage bounds, but also out of what I said I was going to do. And look at all the problems that's caused. Look at all this chaos. And just so you know, um, Islam, all the Muslims like to trace their lineage right back to Ishmael. And say that that is the child of promise, okay? As the scripture de de defines as you know, wild somebody who is uh, you know very very angry and violent. Does the apple far fall from the tree? I don't know. I'm introducing. I tend not to think so, but. Again, she's starting to get into, you know, like a letterism here, where if if one letter is you know miss written if if you know oh i don't like the penmanship of this well then therefore it's not the word of god but you know what the problem is let's say that it was perfect 100% she would still have problems with it this is just a smoke screen i've talked to people like this and said you know what if i could answer every single question that you had to your satisfaction about christianity would you consider being a christian and following christ and they're always they always say no and i'm like then why should i bother why should I bother wasting my time if you're not even open-minded enough to have that be a possibility? And she says, but I have read the Old Testament, even taught the Old Testament to children. It doesn't really seem like it. It seems like, you know, what you did is you sat in, you know, a Sunday school that you volunteered in where the lessons were cherry-picked 
for you of things that were, you know, appropriate for children. Okay. This is a book about life. Okay. And life is messy and you don't tell messy stories to children. Okay. You don't tell children about the birds and the bees until they are of a certain age where they can comprehend it. Okay. So you don't go around saying, oh, well, life is nasty and you can't do that. No, because some people say the Bible's not even fit for children to read. Yes, yeah, some parts of it aren't. All right. And it's not supposed to be. It talks about real life and real life is tough. Okay. And so just because, you know, she knows the, you know, I don't know, cliff notes of, you know, David and Goliath, Noah's Ark, um, you know, uh, David and Bathsheba, you know, that doesn't, you know, make her a biblical scholar. And yes, she probably knew enough to, to teach children. All right, look, in my church, I volunteer and I teach children also, you know, ages, oh, I'm trying to think here, like nine to, I think they're like 11 or 12. Okay. And the stuff that I teach them, they are not sitting there repeating back to me that the hermeneutics of eschatology demand an exegetical approach. That is way over their heads. And, and you listening, that might have been way over your head. You know, you may not have understood. I don't talk like that to them. You know, we talked about last time was the Ten Commandments. And I gave them a nice, you know, mnemonic device to remember it. And we, you know, we discussed some of them. Like not murdering people. I mean, oh, how horrible is that? You know, I didn't get into the difference between killing and murder and that, you know, murder is the unjust taking of a life where, you know, killing is the just taking because that differential is made in the Old Testament, even though atheists love to try it out, you know, thou shalt not kill. And then they go off and kill. It's like, no, it's thou shalt not murder. If you just did a little bit of reading and a little bit of investigation, you'd actually be able to, to figure that out. Okay. Um, she goes on to say uh, they wanted to know how people could live for hundreds of years. They asked me how brothers and sisters could legally marry and how can a man marry his wife and get a slave girl pregnant at the same time. Again, that was uh, you know, so roughly the Abraham, um, uh, Sarah, Hagar uh, thing going on there. Um, how could someone be uh, so willing to chop his child in half? We're, I mean, um, the fact that she even says, okay, the best guess I can have for that mishmash um, is the story of Solomon. And there were two women and the one woman, uh, her child died and she stole the other woman's baby. And they went before the courts and Solomon, who was called the wisest of uh, you know all the, all the people, um, you know, was the king and he said, fine, what I'll do is I'll chop this baby in half. And then you can each have half a baby. And, you know, he put it down to, to, to do it, to chop it in half. And the real mother said, no, give the baby to her. Because I would rather, you know, she would rather have her child be alive and raised by someone else than, than killed. Because the mother with the dead baby, she didn't care if, she, if there were two dead babies. Her baby was already dead. Okay. And he knew that the mother that stepped up to defend the baby would be the real mother and he could give the child back. All right. Um, he wasn't willing to chop the kid in half. That wasn't the intent. I mean, just to say that you, you really have to pray off of people's ignorance of scripture. And we are a biblically illiterate culture in the world today. A lot of people don't read their Bibles. They don't study them. They don't understand them. And a lot of times atheists really, really bank off of this. Um, 
She says, you know, I thought these were all very good questions, in my opinion, and to be honest, I wasn't able to explain away the behavior. All I was allowed to say is, that's just how it is stated in the Bible. Go ask your parents if you have further questions about morality. Really, in a church, you're teaching in a church in a Sunday school, and you're punting? You were so well trained to punt about morality, a place that has objective morality that can tell you about objective morality, and you're punting? Okay, and then she goes on, the final little paragraph here. This is why I no longer care for religion or care about what the Bible says. It doesn't teach people to think, to wonder, to use logic, and question the how, what, where, when, and why of the world. All it does is tell them what to think and how to act. That's not education. That's indoctrination. If I wanted that, I'd move to North Korea. You know what? There's probably a lot of other things that you like in North Korea, too, considering that it's a uh, atheist uh, country. But here's the problem. She's only read the Old Testament, so she can only be talking about the Old Testament. Okay? And it's not telling you what to think. All right? It's explaining to you the things of the world. All right, number one, and how to act. We went over that in, you know, different pits in this and, and why you had the dietary laws and what was being taught. And it was not a, a greatly uh, literate society. The printing press hadn't been invented. There weren't tons of books everywhere. It was easy to memorize and, and, and understand the way God does things through um through behavior and through uh, the working and stuff like that. Um, When it says that we're not to question, uh, maybe she hasn't read the the Old Testament at all. I mean, it it tells you in, in, I think in the book of Isaiah, I'd have to find exactly where, but he says, uh, God's, you know, when, when the Israelites want to go after all these false gods and all these other gods, he says to them, why don't you ask them to say something and then bring it to pass? Okay? Why don't you ask them to to make something? I'm God, and even I don't know of any other gods. I've said things, and I've brought them to pass. Let them do that. He's saying, test me. Test me. And that's what they did. Okay? I mean, I it's just... It boggles my mind. Not only that, but the you know using a type of scientific method of the who, what, when, where, why, how that type of thing. You know, testable uh, things that you can do over and over again. You know, repeating tests and stuff. That all presupposes a theistic understanding. That presupposes that there was a creator that there was a designer who designed things to work a particular and proper way. Okay? It's not just random chaos that there is an order. And if there is an order, then you can presuppose that if you do something and then you repeat it, you will get the same outcome. Okay? That's actually a proof for the existence of God and not against the existence of God. So the fact that we have the scientific method the present scientific method, okay, that it is not, you know, something that is just chaotic, but that there is an order, okay, that presupposes and shows that there actually is a transcendent theistic God, a God that interacts, you know, in time and space here. Furthermore, uh, what it's showing is that abstract concepts do exist, like numbers. Numbers are abstract concepts that actually exist, okay? The fact that you could use them 
to prove things that are facts show that you can trust abstract concepts because they're true and anything that's true corresponds with reality. Okay, now on the next bit, we're going to start getting into um, some of the arguments for God's existence, and we're going to look at them, you know, specifically and how they're how they're approached, what they're said. And I got to tell you, um, there aren't any atheists or very few atheists that actually legitimately deal with these arguments because they really don't tend to deal with them at all. Hey, listen, you can visit us at uh, The Theology Pit on Facebook. Leave some questions, uh, some um, things you want me to talk about. Uh, you can email me, samson at samsonstick.com. You can go to samsonstick.com and uh, check this stuff out. Um, but, you know, thank you for listening to The Theology Pit, and now it's time to close down the pit. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Theology Pit. Do us a favor and check out our website at samsonstick.com. Tell us what you like or what you don't like and consider making a donation. Just send a buck to show your appreciation. It's more than just money. To us, it's an encouragement. samsonstick.com. 